1: You cannot consider the end times without considering the destruction that gets us there and the great human deceiver, which we'll do next on this edition of Truth For Today. From Valley Bible Church in Hercules, we welcome you to our broadcast, This is Truth For Today. Pastor Phil Howard takes us back to our series, What in the World is Going to Happen? Now, we've got a book by the same title as well as the five-CD set that is available for you, and I'll tell you how. You can obtain a copy of either or both at the close of our program. But for now, let's catch up with our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard, as we take a look at the great human deceiver. It's all straight ahead on today's broadcast of Truth For Today. Here's Pastor Phil.
2: He's going to make this covenant. In this last seven year or week of time we don't understand or see that that person has ever come and that that covenant has ever been made because he breaks that covenant after three and a half years and in the book of Revelation you'll hear him talk about 1260 days three and a half years are left in the middle of the tribulation This Antichrist figure has 1,260 days to do all the hell he can do against Israel and the nations, and he will unleash his fury as empowered by Satan. So we have days that are mentioned in Scripture that are picked up in Revelation, that they will happen. So we don't see that it's all happened. We see it as future. Now, he says, we're not in the day of the Lord, Christians. And don't let anyone deceive you in any way. For that day will not come until certain things occur. And he begins the list. Here in the NIV, until the rebellion occurs. And it's the word, the apostasia, the apostasy, takes place. Now, there's a lot of ink written on what the apostasy is. Uh, Some, uh, Richard and I, grew up on a book by Shiler English. He takes it, the catching away of the church, and he uses it in a physical removal of the church. Maybe the most popular view is religious apostasy. Uh, I think I understand it in the context to be a specific kind of falling away, and uh, I'll hit that. But there's different views out there. I hope to persuade you of mine, and Rich takes the opposite, so see his notes. Uh, said, until the rebellion, the falling away occurs. So it's a specific kind of falling away. Not just any ordinary thing. And the man of lawlessness is revealed. The man doomed to destruction. He will oppose... And will exalt himself over everything that is called God or his worship. So that he sets himself up in God's temple. Now, let me ask you a question. Where would God's temple be on the earth? Jerusalem. Because we think in the day of the Lord, the church will be gone. I hope we are. And the only time God's ever had a temple on the earth. Now, the church is called a temple. That's for sure. We just saw that first Corinthians today. But another place that was an authentic temple of God was Jerusalem. And we understand there will be a temple, maybe it's the Mosque of Omar, that both both the Arabs and the Jews claim Mount Moriah. And they don't know how to untie the knot. They don't know how to evict the Muslims out of the Mosque of Omar. That's a tough one. But wherever this temple is, I'm inclined to believe it's Jerusalem. But wherever it is, this man of sin is going to invade that temple and set himself up as God and proclaim himself to be God. And I'm inclined to take the apostia, falling away, to be not just any ordinary falling away, the greatest falling away in all history, when all the nations who are to live and survive must recognize a human being as God. And the majority of the earth will buy this or be slaughtered. Now, the kings of the east don't buy it. And we're not there tonight. Kings of the south and the kings of the north. But those under the control of the beast must be of the opinion that he is God. Or pay dearly. So this falling away is, if it's not the rapture, uh, is not any ordinary. We've had apostasy for 1,900 years. (laughs) So this has to be over and above falling away. Do you know what we mean by apostasy? That you held to a correct truth about God in areas before, and now you've fallen away from that position. And so when we talk about liberalism in the church today, uh, we consider most of Protestantism apostate. They don't believe the Bible anymore. They don't teach the gospel anymore. They don't uh, believe in missions anymore. They're apostate. They've fallen away from what they're over here ordaining homosexuals. And it doesn't matter what the Bible says. But any group that takes that position is in religious apostasy. That's where um, I think sometimes uh, my I think I'd be maybe the most militant on the pastoral staff and the most radical but I, I just have to say, I'm willing to fight for the truth. The fighter comes in to me and my being, when you start telling me Christ isn't God. When you start telling me the Bible doesn't teach something that it teaches, I'm going to fight with you about it. I'm told to fight the good fight, and this is the good fight. Don't be putting words in God's mouth. What he says, he says, interpret it. You don't have to like the interpretation. You may not agree with the interpretation, but at least say God said it. And that's why you want to own a Bible and not join a preacher's club. It's what the Bible says that ought to govern the people of God, right? If God says it, we'll believe it, stand on it, and we may be culturally totally out of step, uh, And we don't want to be mean-spirited. But we neither want to be pamby or wishy washy about what God says. We want to please every politically correct camp. We can't please all the camps. We're told to please God. Could you at least breathe hard? Kind of a semi, I agree. But don't do it if you don't agree. And so here, you see, this man's going to come. That's going to declare himself God. He's going to be lawless in character. Uh, He's doomed to destruction, but he will exalt himself. Now watch this. Don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things. There's not many guys that held us a Bible conference that would come back and say, you know, I taught you about this guy. Because I'm even wondering, why would I even teach the church about the man of sin? That won't help you file your taxes. It's because God wants us to know it. And there's practical implications. And now you know what is holding him back. Notice this is a person, so that he may be revealed at the proper time. For the secret, of law, the secret power of lawlessness is already at work. But the one who now holds it back will, be, will continue to do so until he's taken out of the way. This is a very interesting passage. There is a restraining influence in the earth that is holding back this revelation and this plan to put forth a man of sin who declares himself to be God. And right in the context, Paul is saying, you know someone is restraining this from being implemented. It hasn't happened yet because of divine restraints. And it's interesting to read the literature who the restrainer is. Some make it government. Some make it uh, the church. Because this restrainer in verse 6 in the Greek is called an it, a neuter pronoun. And in 7, he's used a masculine pronoun, he, so that who restrains this satanic plot is a person. And so we understand the person to be the person of the Holy Spirit. Because in John... It's used interchangeably. He's called an it sometimes. And then right in John 14, he's called a masculine he. And so we think the only thing that could restrain satanic activity to bring about this world ruler is another person that's greater in power. And we believe it's the restraining influence of the spirit. Some say that influence is centered in the church and that when the church is raptured, The spirit will step aside and say, as it were, go ahead, Satan, implement your master plan. I'm going to give you seven years to do all you can do. And then you're going to be cast into the lake of fire. After I bind you a thousand years. Something is restraining the satanic plot. This world would already be under a world, one world dictator if Satan had his way, but the restrainer has held him off for over 1,900 years. But it's coming because God's just going to tell the Spirit, step aside and let this man come forward and be revealed and let the world wonder after him. So God's still in charge when Satan produces his best counterfeit. Now watch this uh, man of sin. Uh, Verse uh, 8, And then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow, I love this, with the breath of his mouth. Does it seem to be a too big a threat to Christ when it just takes his breath to eliminate him? And look what else he, he, he does with him. He'll over with his breath and he will destroy him by the splendor of his coming. And in the Greek, it's the radiance, the outshining of his person. Uh, I, 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 I just got tickled in my study. Jesus is going to outshine him. He's just going to show up and the radiance of who he is is going to make a false Christ wilt. And according to Revelation, he's got this sword. Here he combines, he's going to breathe. And when he breathes, his breath contains sword-like quality to the Antichrist, satanic man. He will be vaporized. That's how much effort it will take to undo it when you're God. And then it goes on to say, The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan, displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs and wonders, and in every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing. There's coming a man on the scene that uh, I think may do some authentic miracles, but their source will be found in Satan. Our Indian brothers that come to us says, we are not as impressed in India with phenomenal things happening like you are in the States. You guys are, said you're impressed because our fakers can do almost anything your healers can do. We see satanic power all the time in India. We see men uh, walk over fire, walk over burning coals, do all kinds of physical feats that we accredit to demonic power. The maniac of Gadera could break all the chains. He had superhuman strength. And so when this satanic man comes on the scene, he's going to sweep people. And what is amazing, this man, though a world political leader, he will be outstanding in the realm of religious phenomena. He will also be a religious figure. He moves in the realm of doing wonders and miracles in the religious realm and when he uses the word he does signs signs biblically is to do a biblical miracle with a message it's a miracle healing somebody like in the book of john seven miracles seven messages it's not just a miracle for a miracle's sake it's a miracle with a message in you and this guy's going to step on the scene be a political genius And he's going to be a religious genius. And he's going to be able to sweep people into believing he really is God. And the earth will wonder after him. Then it says, uh, he'll do all these counterfeits. And he'll be in every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing. I think that's a heartbreaking statement. That the perishing... Are deceived. They're, they're just easy prey for this event. When you're already perishing, uh, counterfeit deception and satanic working, you're gullible, you'll buy it. And he says they perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Does that look like they're lost? because of their choice or God's. They perish because they refuse to love the truth. It's a conscious decision on their part to love the truth. You see, it's your human nature to refuse divine truth. It takes a divine work to enable you to embrace divine truth. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion, powerful influence, so that they will believe the lie, and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth, but have delighted in wickedness. There is a specific lie loose in the earth. Romans 1 mentions it, they believe the lie. Our parents believe the lie. There's one specific lie that runs throughout the Bible. Not any lie. The lie is a creature is to be worshipped above the Creator. If you eat of the fruit of this tree, you shall become gods. That's the lie. And all of a sudden, Satan's going to bring a creature. And he's going to get the whole world to acknowledge this creature... As being the true and living God, and he will sell the lie so that the world's greatest political leader yet to come will get the world to embrace the lie and begin to give him the adoration and the reverence and the obedience due only to the true and living God. He will market the lie, and it will happen. Now, let's go to Revelation 13 and see another picture of him. And then we'll try to just do a helicopter overview of Scripture. NIV's made a convenient break here for you. Maybe it can help you as we just pick up here. Kind of the end of verse 1. And I saw a beast coming out of the sea. He had ten horns and seven heads with ten crowns on his horns. And on each head a blasphemous name. Now, if you trace the book out, you understand the sea is a common reference to the Gentiles, the sea of humanity. The ten heads represent his ten king, other representative powers that he's the head of, coming out of the West. And so he's in charge of a uh, political uh, league of nations, as it were, that come together and this beast rises up from the Gentiles. And he resembled a leopard, but it had feet like those of a bear, and a mouth like that of a lion. Now, this is interesting. This goes right back to the book of Daniel. And Daniel described Gentile world powers under the figures of animals. Bears, lions, eagles. So, once again, this man represents Gentile power. Um, the dragon... Gave the beast his power and his throne and great authority. Who's the dragon? Satan. In the book of Revelation, the dragon was cast down from heaven. Satan himself. So this man is energized by satanic power. He's the satanic puppet to do whatever he wants. He finally is going to seize the earth with his man. The false Christ, the antichrist. And so... Out of this beast, when he comes up, one of the heads of the beast seemed to have had a fatal wound, but the fatal wound had been healed. The whole world was astonished and followed the beast. This is an interesting verse. Some believe that the Antichrist himself will be injured in a campaign. Who knows? Shot down like a Reagan. uh, And perceived to have died. Mortal wound. So they make it the person of the Antichrist that he's shot, seems to be, the earth thinks he was, and that the mortal wound heals and he comes back to life. Uh, we would consider it a resuscitation from the dead. Uh, that's one view. Other prophetic teachers like Dwight Pentecost and them, they make it representative of a, his government, that it seemed to have received a death blow, but it came back. Uh, who knows? Could be really the beast. I don't see any problem with that. The person who heads up this rebellion uh, seemed, should have died. And his coming back, as it were, alive increases his power to persuade the nations, follow me. I can even conquer death. I can overcome a mortal wound. So... Uh, I have to struggle with that. Men worship the dragon because he had given authority to the beast. And they also worship the beast and ask, Who is like the beast? Who can make war against him? So they worship Satan and they worship the man Satan is energizing, achieving the lie again. The beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies and to exercise his authority. For how long? 42 months. How long is that? Huh? Three and a half years. How long is three and a half years in the book of Revelation? 1,260 days. Because the Jewish calendar was 360 days. They didn't have a 365 day year, they had a 360 day year. So that's why you hear us say three and a half years. If you don't like that, 1,260 days. It's a specific amount of time, the middle of the tribulation, this guy is unleashed. What does this false ruler do at the first part of the tribulation? He's a peacemaker. He makes a covenant with Israel for three and a half years. And in the middle of the week, he breaks the covenant. And then he's outraged. And he starts saying, no covenant deal. No Orthodox Jews going up to the temple to worship this guy called Yahweh. I am God. I insist on being worshipped. Matter of fact, I'm going to invade the temple area and I'm going to do something so abominable that it will desolate the temple area. Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, Daniel 9, 27. Something abominable will happen in a temple site where people gather to worship. And the only analogy we use in history is Antiochus Epiphanes during the Maccabean Revolt. 400 years between Malachi and Matthew when they slaughtered a pig on a Jewish altar and offered pig to Yahweh and served uh, pork on the temple steps and desecrated it. Abominable. And they use that language. It was a abominable thing that desolated the temple place. In the future Antichrist will do this abominable act of declaring himself in the sacred temple as God. And at that time, every Jew that fears God is told to flee Jerusalem. And women who are nursing are warned, it will be hard on you. Get out of town. This guy is going to kill you. And they start fleeing. And God hides a remnant of Jews over in the east of the Dead Sea... And he hides them from the destruction of this Antichrist person. Hides them in the area of Petra that's in the land of Jordan.
1: And that will conclude our time today here on Truth For Today from Valley Bible Church in Hercules with our teacher and pastor Phil Howard. Men, you are invited to join us here at Valley Bible Church for our 2023 Men's Conference. It's called Walking to Win. Are you mission-minded for the Lord? It'll all be surrounding John 9, verse 4. It takes place Friday, March 17th, 6 to 9 p.m. Check-in begins at 5.30, and then Saturday, March the 18th, 8 a.m. to 2 p.m., Breakfast begins at 8 a.m., lunch is served 12 to 1. Now the cost per attendee for the both days, $50 for men 18 and older, 25 for youth, 12 to 17. It includes dinner Friday, breakfast, and lunch on Saturday. Again, that is Friday, March 17th, and Saturday, March 18th for the Valley Bible Church 2023 Men's Conference, Walking to Win, Are You Mission-Minded for the Lord? Call for details or stop by our website, valleybible.org. Our phone number is 510-799-3171. 510-799-3171. Guest speaker for our conference this year is Pastor Tony Arns, founding pastor of Folsom Bible Church. Join us for this year's Men's Bible Conference, Walking to Win. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard.